unidentifiable flying object. <laughs> UFO continues to be a mystery. Wasn't alone in space. Sightings of UFOs. Something out there. Close enough to be observed. What could it be? It could only be anything. A UFO. Hey everybody, welcome to UFO No. The show where we separate science fact from science fiction. I'm joined by my wonderful friend, Blind Mike. Howdy. We're back to give it to you straight on what's really going on with the UFO phenomenon and all that good jazz. See how I did that, Mike? I did. See how I did that? Phenomenon. Phenomenon. Uh, so we got a we got a bit to go over today. We're going to go over some cool sightings and whatnot, including the Aurora, Texas UFO crash, the Berwyn Mountain UFO incident, and the 1974 UFO crash in Kayami somewhere. Which, yeah, I don't know where that one is. Yeah, I'm not really sure either, but we're going to get into it. We'll find out. We're going to get into it. So uh, before we get started all the way, Make sure and go to our Facebook page, UFO No Podcast. Like that shit. Share that shit with your friends and your family. And then make sure and uh, share the episode, please. If you like it, share it. We all know that your phone is capable of putting this in the background and doing that right now. Right now. You can do that right now. So you don't even have to. You can select the little three dots up unless, in the right-hand corner. Bring that down. Then- go to share. It'll bring up a series of options, including your Facebook page and series of social media pages that you could just give a little finger to, just a little tappy-tap, and get that spreading out to your audience. Hey, thanks! Unless you're driving or at work, and then do what you will, but we hold no... Well, I'm not one to hold anyone back from doing their dreams. You do you, but I will not be held liable. Uh, anyways, before we get going all the way, I want to give a thanks to our sponsors, Clarkston CBD Company, little place I help manage. If you got inflammation and anxiety problems, come on over to Clarkston CBD Company. We'll help you kick that shit's ass hard. Gummies, capsules, CBD oils, the world's best CBD taffy. I'm not even exaggerating. The world. It's so good. Uh, anyways, we got great deals. Find us online, ClarkstonCBDCo.com, and also Hell's Canyon uh, Cannabis Company, where they grow true, live, organic, soil-grown cannabis craft style. Uh, So if you like really flavorful, really the way nature designed cannabis to be grown, robust, balanced, stony baloney flower, uh, you want Hell's Canyon Cannabis Company, so go and ask your local retailer, Washington State. That's where you can find it because, you know, the word confined by state laws, those bastards. But uh, if you're a Washington retailer, go and ask. And if they don't have it, tell them to get a hold of me, 208-790-8226. You can also text me, I want to believe, or whatever you want to text me. But uh, I want to give a big thank you to Leonard for always texting me. I want to believe. And, of course, uh, Corey, a a guy that I was on his podcast, um, FTK Racing. And it was a super cool show. And he had me on. And uh, he texted me out of the blue and was like, I want to believe. Hey, thanks for listening, man. Anyways, thank you all for listening. Uh, But once again, go share. uh, Go like. 
and subscribe if you can. Leave us a little review. That helps share the show. But here we go. Uh, The Aurora, Texas UFO incident is reportedly occurred on uh, April 17, 1897, when, according to locals, a UFO crashed on a farm near Aurora, Texas. The incident, similar to the more famous Roswell UFO incident 50 years later, is claimed to have resulted in a fatality of the pilot. The pilot was not, quote, not of this world and was said to be an alien. The pilot was buried on the Aurora Cemetery or at the Aurora Cemetery, and a stone was placed as a marker for the grave, but has since been removed. Oh, bummer. Well, it's just a stone. It's not like it's a yeah. headstone or anything. So they actually um, to they actually did this. They investigated a little bit of this on two different shows. Uh, uh, one was in 2005, uh, UFO Files, where they did, they went out, and they uncovered two new eyewitnesses to the crash. Mary Evans, who was 15 at the time, told of how her parents went to the crash site. Uh, they forbade her from going. And the discovery of the alien body. Charlie Stevens, who was 10, told how he saw the airship trailing smoke as it headed north toward Aurora. He wanted to see what happened, but his father made him finish his chores. <laughs> this was 1890. Oh, my God. Papa, look up in the sky. It's a UFO. God damn it, kid. Get out there. Feed the pigs. Oh, that's hilarious. I love that. I love that. What a good kid. What a good kid. Well, (laughs) that incident changed my life, but I still listen to my dad. I sure as shit went out there and fed them pigs. Oh, that's awesome. I, I did the UFO. I didn't care if the world was ending. Yeah. I just knew that my world was ending if I didn't feed them pigs. Later, he told how his father went to town the next day and saw wreckage from the crash. So the MUFON Society then investigated the Aurora Cemetery and uncovered a grave marker that appeared to show a flying saucer of some sort, as well as readings from its metal detector. MUFON asked for permission to exhume the site, but the Cemetery Association declined permission. Now, look, Naturally. I got a side with the Cemetery Commission on this one, because if I had a bunch of, uh, I'm just going to come right out and say weirdos coming into my facility going, hey, can we dig up the cemetery to look for aliens? I'd be like, you know, you can go fuck yourself is what you can go do. We're not, really we're not doing that. It is. I mean, yeah. you could be the most credential looking motherfucker in the world. But if you're like, hey, I'm going to need to dig in there. Why? Aliens. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure there's one in there. I want to I want to dig up some of these dead bodies and see if it is. Yeah, exactly. No, thanks, bud. No, thanks. So uh, anyways, they did not get to exhume the site. Uh, but anyways, but after their investigation, the marker mysteriously disappeared from the cemetery and a three-inch pipe was placed into the ground. So it's plumbers. MUFON's metal detector no longer picked up metal readings from the grave. Thus, it was presumed that the metal was removed from the grave. They uh, eventually stated that the evidence was inconclusive, inconclusive but did not rule out the possibility of a hoax. Um, but then the UFO hunters went out, and they I thought they did a great job. So they went out, um, they made 
it had one big change, which was Tim Oates, the grandson of Brawley Oates, and the now owner of the property with the sealed well where the UFO wreckage was purportedly buried, allowed the investigators to unseal the well in order to examine it for possible debris. Water was taken from the well, which tested normal, except for large amounts of <gasps> aluminum present. Oh, aluminum. That was present. The well, <laughs> the well had no significant content. It was stated in the episode that any large pieces of metal had been removed from the well by a past owner of the property. Further, the remains of a windmill base were found near the well site, which refuted Miss Pigue's statements from the 1979 Time Magazine article that Judge Proctor never had a windmill on his property. Um, so you, there's a little bit of a background thing going on there where basically when it changed hands, somebody built a windmill over the site, which then I believe during a windstorm was knocked down or was just over time. Sounds like a shitty windmill. If Something like that. Down. Oh, uh, you know. Uh, but that's what, uh, so anyway, so that's, was a big thing was whether there was a windmill, whether there wasn't a windmill. So that was, you know, obviously every small little tiny detail when it comes to an investigation plays a big part. So whether they built a windmill over the site, you know, if you're looking for crash remnants and you're finding metal, uh, joints from, you know, or cross braces from a windmill, uh, stand, there's no point in going and getting it tested, you know, anyways, but, um, I thought they did a good job because they then went to the cemetery and again, they asked the cemetery association to dig. They denied, I'm, which I completely understand, but they used ground penetrating radar and photos from prior visits and unmarked grave was found in the area near other 1890s graves. However, the condition of the grave was badly deteriorated and the radar could not conclusively prove what type of remains existed. So uh, then the landowner gave him pieces of metal that contained mostly aluminum and a quote, unknown element. It was also dramatized in the 1986 film The Aurora Encounter, as well as being discussed within History Channel's Ancient Aliens, of course. I love that show. Um, Anyways, it had a bunch of shit, but what it comes down to is, here's what it comes down to the actual investigation. Uh, April 19th, 1897, there was a news article in the Dallas Morning News described the UFO crash, and it was said to have hit a windmill on the property of a Judge J.S. Proctor two days earlier at around 6 a.m. local central time, resulting in his crash. The pilot, who was reported to be, quote, not of this world and a, quote, Martian, according to a reported Amy or Army Signaling Service officer named T.J. Weems, totally credible in name, total. Any guy named Weems? You can take that shit to the bank, to the bank. That guy doesn't have time to fuck around because he doesn't have a strong name. So clearly he's got to be a man of his word because everybody's going to be like that Weems motherfucker. You know, I knew not to trust him because of his last name. So he's got to definitely go above and beyond to make sure that he redeems that shitty ass name. (laughs) 
He's all like 275, <laughs> drill sergeant, <laughs> decorated military officer. Oh, now shit. For He's like a signal service years. officer. Come on. Anyways, uh, <laughs> this was then. The Martian, according to them, did not survive the crash and was buried, quote, with Christian rites by a traveling pastor named William Russell Tabor at the nearby Aurora Cemetery. And the cemetery apparently contains a Texas Historical Commission marker mentioning the incident. So reportedly, wreckage from the crash site was dumped into a nearby well. That's the well in question that we were talking about under the damaged windmill, while some ended up with the alien in the grave. Adding to the mystery was the story of Mr. Brawley Oates, who purchased Judge Proctor's property around 1935. Oates cleaned out the debris from the well in order to use it as a water source, but later developed an extremely severe case of arthritis, which he claimed to be the result of contaminated water from the wreckage dumped into the well or cosmic shit. It's probably, you know, the farming life. Yeah. Think, right? Like using your yeah. hands all arthritis. day, every day, getting mm-hmm. arthritis. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Aliens for I've got sure. a real bad case of that arthritis. As a result, Oates sealed up the well with a concrete slab and placed an outbuilding atop the slab. I I mean, to me, that says I really don't want anybody to know about this well. (laughs) Uh, Anyways, here's the hoax theory. The hoax theory is primarily based on a 1980 Time Magazine interview with Etta Pegg's an 86-year-old Aurora resident who claimed that Hayden... 1890 or 1980? What did I say? 1980? I Okay, because this incident happened in 1990. Well, yeah, but she's 86 in 1980. Oh, okay. So that's what, yeah. Uh, 86 Aurora resident who claimed that Hayden the, had fabricated the entire story, stating that Hayden, quote, wrote it as a joke and to bring interest to Aurora. You know what? That is a really common thing with these fucking townies. They live in a really shitty town that they're like, you know what? We got, they're probably on some committee. They're a chairman on the rodeo or some shit, and they got to bring in people. And, uh, you know, it's like tourist attraction type shit. Yeah. Small city, city. And then it besmirches the name of UFOs. (laughs) You've besmirched. (laughs) All right. Yeah. The railroad bypassed us, and the town was dying. Peg's father, Peg's further claimed that Judge Proctor never operated a windmill on his property, a statement later disputed in an episode of the UFO Hunters, which we talked about. Uh, and that's where they found the whole, you know, the fact that the... Um, there was the debris. From yeah, but they, but, you know, to be honest, like, what they found was not conclusive to say because it had unknown material... By no means did that mean it was extraterrestrial. No, it could have just been something that they were using in the 1800s that wasn't really. Well, and, and think about that. You know, if you've got a water source that's been contaminated. Yeah. Bacteria. You know, by, I mean, how many samples do we have of well water with steel in it? Yeah. That's Fair. then tested for, you know, these types of things. So I would say, if nothing else, it's the rarity of the situation. If nothing else, I think. I mean, I don't know. For me, I just don't see the point in, like, the whole windmill dispute. They're like, no, it was never there. And some people are like, yeah, it is there. Who builds some of a windmill? And then just, (laughs) you know, you found a wrecked windmill. So, 
I didn't just build that. I mean, that's a lot of money for a hoax. To- well, if you, I mean, look, if the guy, I mean, that was the whole thing in building your own materials back then in the 1800s was you, you had, it, it wasn't, I mean, it was expensive, but not like it is but now. Town was dying. They wouldn't have had the yeah. funds to be Nuts. able to waste that amount of thing for that last ditch effort. Yeah. I mean, unless he was already in the process of building a windmill and then just couldn't afford to finish it. Yeah. Is the only, which seems far more likely than anything else for a town that was dying. And then somebody comes up with this story attracting a bunch of people. Town so miraculously survives. I mean, that's not far fetched at all. Yeah. Well, I'm the pretty sure that's the story of cars. <laughs> <laughs> the UFO hunters episode, which found that they claimed to be the base of a wood water pump tower constructed around the well. Paranormal researcher Jerry Drake in 2020 episode of the Monster Talk Live podcast challenged that finding, noting the well was clearly a bucket well of modern construction estimated to be built sometime after 1940 and not a well designed for use with a windmill. So it would, well, that kind of discredits that they put stuff in the well and then the secondary owner that bought it from Judge Proctor uh, would have had to have put it in because he bought it in 35. Yeah. So then he would have had to have built the well and then perpetuated. So maybe he, not Judge Proctor, uh, is kind of spinning the tail to bring... traffic their way yeah i mean that's certainly i mean look if you have nothing else going on and you i mean why do people do anything it's easy to say well what was his motives well if your town is dying and you're gonna lose everything i mean and it looks like well and you got to think of the you know the eyewitnesses were also like 10 and 15 at the yeah exactly in a small town easy to come up with a story yep so, and maybe they did see something, and maybe know, something did happen, or something, but or, they successfully yeah. covered it up. You know, I mean, that's that's another way to look at it. Is maybe it's neither a hoax. What I got nor in my is mind it is like a To Kill a Mockingbird, Boo Radley situation going on. As I'm like, okay, so somebody, the guy started a windmill or whatever, and couldn't finish building it so then you know the kids around town are like oh did you hear that a ufo crashed into that and that's why it's like that oh yeah yeah and shit like that you know just and, and then, then just perpetuating takes the on a life of its own time. yeah they were the kids at the time so as the they got older and took over in the town wise for yeah population you know their kids would have heard about it just telling stories and then and snowballed over a century yeah this is 1890 we're yeah, 130 years ago. Yeah, that's crazy. So that's, so far, what they have. Um, there's not a whole lot of definitive one way or the other. It could be either way. And the fact that the town or the historic society put a plaque saying that it happened there. Yeah. I mean... Even for the time, people were like, okay, somebody saw a UFO. Crazy. <laughs> so the fact that the town put it there definitely seems like a PR thing. I mean, yeah. Well, it's like that other one that uh, 
there was another small town where they had, they went ahead and put it up in their little historical society thing and acknowledged the whole incident. They built a bench Mm -hmm. in commemoration and, you know, it's very easy to use that to your advantage because there's not a whole lot of people that claim yeah, I just UFO I sightings as a reporter, and, and I'm like, so you saw the alien, and they're well, mm-hmm. I didn't personally, but my great great grandpa's grandfather told me about it. Yeah, so it's weird. so that one I think we like to to. I think you could call it either way. It, you can't really say whether it did or didn't happen exactly. for the time because it could have, but it's also a very religious time. Yeah. Is they were hardcore about that. So it could have been Judgment Day. It could have been like, no, this is blasphemous. We can't spread this around. There'll be panic in the religious community. So they could have covered it up for that. I mean, a priest did give the last rite. So we know that someone from the faith was present at least. Uh, so it could have been some small churchy town like that. Yeah. Could have been they didn't want it coming around or whatever. They covered it up because it was totally against their religion to even, like, if it were that case, like, a hardcore Christian society doesn't believe in any sort of aliens whatsoever, has a UFO crash in their town, I'm pretty sure they don't, they're not firm believers anymore, but it would disrupt their life so much to acknowledge and just being like, aliens, aliens. Yeah. Be shunned from your community. Exactly. So they would have just covered it up, looked like nothing happened, which was very common for that time. Well, yeah, you look at what from what the nineties to the fifties. What the consequences were for being shunned from your community back in the eighteen hundreds versus now. Yeah, you pretty much die. Now you can become a YouTube star. Yeah. You I you know, mean, you can go out and dye your hair purple, wear a cape and put on a tiara and claim that you're Princess Tucker. And you can go out and and live in a tarp, and well, you can be a YouTube star. Don't get me wrong. There's still shunnings nowadays. It's just more in, like, the obscure religious communities. Like oh, sure. Oh, yeah. And things of that Well, nature. that's more, like, excommunicated. So, yeah, you're right. That is, like, modern-day shunning. That would be the only yeah. thing. But back then, when it was, there weren't, you know, you couldn't click on the internet and find 90,000 other atheists that also believe shit wasn't real. Like, that was a rarity. You were shunned if you weren't into that at the time. Yeah. You know, there. this was a time when... Oh, yeah, if you were not religious, pants. you were... Yeah, you absolutely. You had to wear dresses to a certain point, cover yeah. yourself. This was very conservative time. Oh, yeah. So, for something <clears throat> like that, yeah, to cover it up could easily have happened, or it could have actually... Not happened, and then they just built it for the PR. I, yep. mean, I think that one's hard to call due really to the, the time frame in which it happened, the fact that it sat for so long without being properly investigated. Mm-hmm. I think easily taking water samples of... No long-term problems from having yeah. contaminated water in a well. Just arthritis. <laughs> <laughs> You know, if you're drinking... Just a bit of the inflammation. Just to work at the bullet factory, you got to get your blood tested for lead constantly. So if you're drinking straight up alien metals with zero side effects other than your hands hurt... But maybe that's why. Mm. What? Maybe he only got the touch of the arthritis because he was drinking alien water maybe he would have died of colon cancer and his ass blow out 
And maybe that was his fate first. That would have probably But then he started the drinking. Then, anyway. dude, that Mining alien water cleared his pooper right up. Dude, this was an era where people were still dying of dyspepsia and shit because of mining and stuff like that. So, you know, I don't understand your big words, so I'm going to take them as insult. All right. It's the people that worked in the mines from all the chemicals and stuff down there would lose their sense of taste and smell. So they had to eat super spicy food. So it would wreak havoc on their innards and they would die from that of the time. Jesus. Yeah. From the diarrheas? From having, yeah, an exclusively super spicy diet like that. Yeah, they would die. It happened all the time in the old Western days. Wow. Anywhere where they were down in coal mines all the time, mining for shit, all the fumes and stuff down there would take their sense of taste and smell, which you'd think would kill them as well, which it did, which we figured out after about 20 years. (laughs) You know, 20 years, people started dying. Oh, okay, so that's bad for you. Yeah, because for twenty years we've been doing it. So if you were doing this for twenty years, maybe. next on the list, Mike, mm-hmm. the Berwyn Mountain incident. This is Wales. Uh, yes. So, so the widely referred to as the Welsh Roswell, January twenty third, nineteen seventy four, mm-hmm. uh, in the Berwyn Mountains in Landrio. North Wales. I'm putting a yeo on it because I it's 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 exotic. A UFO craft was believed to have smashed into the hills, scattering the remains of quote non-human bodies. The area was reportedly cordoned off by the military. <laughs> I picture like cordon blue sandwich. Cordoned off blues. by the military like and the quote right men up. in black style strangers, while wreckage was recovered. The bodies were said to have been discovered by Welsh police and that the British government covered up the event. Many experts claim an earthquake occurred, but there was no craters to back up their opinions. So here are the details. All right, so the details are um, residents of the area in North Wales reported a loud noise and a bright light in the sky. When ufologists claimed that a UFO crashed and the British government covered up the military's recovery of a crashed spaceship, some tabloid newspapers jokingly labeled it the Roz Welsh incident. <laughs> oh, Polish jokes. Scientific evidence indicates the event was generated by an earthquake combined with sightings of a bright meteor widely observed over Wales and northern England at the time. Okay, hold on. You're telling me... I find astronomical odds that there was an earthquake and a meteor sighting on the exact same moment. What year was this? Uh, 1974. 74, and they weren't familiar by that point? I mean... But on the same day, Mike. Same day, same exact time. They could be misconstruing the earthquake for more of a sonic boom. Because say, oh, say you're right. Asteroid the Russian incident just above Kiev. Yes. Yeah. So fifteen hundred. It leveled buildings. It knocked people. Well, off it didn't their level feet. buildings. Well, it it uh, smashed uh, windows. Yeah. It knocked people off their feet yeah. as well. So yeah. it, you could have thought that that was no. The that's a very good point. And that's why there's no wreckage. Is it was early on, and it would have been an asteroid uh, exploding above. I like that. So okay. I agree with you on that one. Sonic boom from the, okay, okay, Mike. I like that. Way to put that together, dude. Declassified Ministry of Defense documents also suggest the incident was caused by the combined effect of an earthquake and a meteor. 
The Institute of Geological Sciences, now British Geological Survey, reported that a magnitude 3.5 earthquake, 3.5, was felt at 8.38 p.m. that night over a wide area of northern Wales and as far as Fornby in England, 13 miles north of Liverpool. It was not... There'd be a crater. Yeah, it was not immediately identified as an earthquake, hence the police investigation. However, the magnitude of the shock was such that it had been due to an aircraft crash. The resulting crater would have been large enough to be easily visible. The unusual lights reported may have been simply the meteor, but may also have included the phenomenon known as earthquake light. What? Kind of... It's a luminous aerial phenomenon that reportedly appears in the sky at or near areas of tectonic stress, seismic activity, or volcanic eruptions. Skeptics point out that the phenomenon is poorly understood, and many of the reported sightings can be accounted for by mundane explanations. Well, it's poorly understood. That's weird. Well, I mean, okay, think about it this way. like It is a massive amount of energy being produced. So once they collide, if there's any gases escaping into the air and the light hits those gases in such concentrations, they could cause excess crazy amounts of light. So then you would think that above earthquakes, especially in a mountainous area at such higher altitudes, would Mm. then probably escape further up in the atmosphere and catch the light differently. Mm. So possibly, but I mean, that's still pretty astronomical odds. So we've got two potential actual phenomena naturally that could have been the case already in this that aren't aliens. (laughs) What can CBD really do for you? Relieve anxiety, ease pain. Hi, this is Ben with Clarkston CBD Company. We specialize in CBD, making it simple and easy to find the perfect CBD blend for you. Talk to us about your health goals and learn how CBD works in the body and how it can benefit you. Find us at 408th Street across from Walmart or shop online at ClarkstonCBDCo.com. We specialize in CBD. Clarkston CBD Company. Stay healthy. So here's my question then. Combined with sightings of a bright meteor widely observed. So, because here's what I'm thinking. The the earthquake is registered. It is well, data confirmed that it happened. The meteor is not. By who? The Welsh government? Yeah. Yeah. So, so confirmed, let's go ahead and use that loosely, <laughs> is if it wasn't initial that they could report the earthquake, which, well, after that point, we've had seismology reports. We've had earthquakes before. Yeah, so Uh, how reliable were they in the 70s? Well, it's not that how reliable were they. It's even if it was pretty reliable, why didn't you know immediately? You had to have a separate report for a while before you could then confirm that it was an earthquake? Yeah. No, you have the seismographs. You'd know it was a fucking earthquake. So if it's a concern as to, oh, no, it's possibly this with the light, that's going further fetched. I stand by the smaller asteroid exploding above with the shockwave. That's the light. That's the shockwave. To simulate that, no crater. Mm. Okay. So if an earthquake happened and had the light above it because they said, oh, there'd be a, it was a, a, airplane crash or a military plane crash or something yeah yeah okay so where's where's that where's that report 
So I think definitely we can chalk that up to a definite misidentification of either, like you had said, I think the very, because we saw the effects. Mm. If you go and look at the video, if you haven't seen the video of the Russian um, incident of the meteor where, I mean, it was very clearly visible coming through the sky. Yeah, and then just goof. And huge. It and it was just, exploded. I mean, it was like, it was nuts. Like you said, it was, a lot of people thought it was an earthquake they, because yeah, of the way know. it hit. Well, it was at the time that we thought we were, they were thought that there was war going oh, on. Oh, that's right. Is it, yeah, it had to have been questioned as to whether we attacked them or not. Yeah. Because uh, we weren't exactly on board after. And if you've got an thing. area where you don't have a lot of buildings, so that was a very populated industrial area, commercial area, if you will. And this, I would imagine, is probably more farmland. Well, it's, it's the, the mountain area, yeah. yeah. So, so you could have gotten, and the sound would ricochet, would like reverberate would off it's, the off the mountains and sound. Mm-hmm. My God, that would sound incredible. Yeah, well, and a sonic boom to cause with that much rock right there stacked. And uh, imagine the vibrations. And that's what I think was why they were like, oh, well, we think it's an earthquake or whatever, but we're not sure. Well, and I wonder, it makes me wonder if a big enough. Here's an interesting theory. If it could have registered size, size, uh, what's the word? Yeah. Seismotically. Seismatically. Whatever the fuck. Uh, at a th- as a three point five, that would be interesting. Well, and you know, I'm imagine thinking, that because they've how... never done that before. Well, uh, have they? I, I, not. I don't know. Like as far as like seismic waves, like going. I because when, how would you plan for that? How would you plan to record that? Well, I mean, you would have to preemptively have like a deserted area is where we usually plan our stuff to measure when earthquakes are going. So like the Mojave desert and stuff like that. Yeah. So you would have to have already preemptively had them stationed around the city when it went off. So the odds that it would be in the mountainous range are pretty slim. So so. if they were just happen to be studying and I wonder what seismic kind of metals are in that mountain. Yes, exactly. Vibration I think well. there's a lot more going on there than they're chalking it up to. I think they're really, I mean, I agree. I don't think there was a crash because there would be evidence of a crash. But definitely if you have something that is a clear, definitely, I think it was probably media related mm-hmm. that was streaking through the sky that got as close or closer as the Russian incident was, then you could absolutely have what would appear to people that have never seen something like that. And this would have been higher up because it's in yeah, the mountain range rather exactly. than just as low to be. Oh, right you're right. So it would have been even, wow. So it probably that could, I suppose, with the right. Yeah. Uh, That's very boom. interesting to think about that. Yeah. Think about what a meteor coming that close. Imagine that. Ima- so here's and what makes me think about it. Imagine if that's what it does when it's simply passing by three and a half on a Richter scale or not a Richter scale. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Imagine what it would do if it hit. I mean, Jesus Christ. It's just insane to think of it. That does that much as if it's just waving if it coming hits, by and be like, Hey, it's usually because it's dense enough to hit, this would have been light enough to disperse 
Yeah, because that's what the Russian the one did. Is it dispersed it in the atmosphere? You could see. Yeah, it, it yeah. busted from whatever it was made of. The denser ones that hit and leave the big craters are usually more metal uh, and and denser, so that way they don't break up. Like they're much bigger when they hit the atmosphere. A lot burns up, and then that's the solid core that ends up hitting. It's not the whole meteor. That's you're not finding loose yeah. chunks of stuff. It's always the condensed portion. Whatever made it. Yeah, and even a lot of the times, by the time it hits like that, they're really small. What is the temperature of reentry? Uh, depends on speed. Oh, yeah. So it depends on speed. I mean, when it comes to the astronauts and stuff, that's what all that solar paneling and all the heat-resistant paneling's on the outside, but it's any damaged solar paneling, if that gets through, it it's hot enough to kill us. Yeah. So, so it says, uh, according to, who is this? Space Stack Exchange. <laughs> Sounds super credible. Uh, yeah, no shit. Apparently, it says that... Um, I mean, orbit is 18,000 miles an hour. 2,900 degrees. Okay, and you can... Oh, melt, wait, no, that's... You can melt metal at 1,500. No, that's not... This is a... This, this is not... I was just curious on what the... Oh, 5,000 degrees Fahrenheit. Okay. The old Apollo fact sheet says 5,000 degrees Fahrenheit. Instant cooking. Holy shit. Right. So 5,000 degrees burning through. And that's at 18,000 miles an hour, I assume. Or faster than that because it broke through orbit. Um, well, let's see what it says. Speed of reentry. <clears throat> yeah, because the only... 17,500 miles per hour. Okay, so yeah, around 18,000. So Typical low-Earth orbit re-entry speeds. Mm-hmm. Okay, because that's what our satellites move at. Wow. So, that's hot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, so the, but that's pretty crazy to think about the fact that it can do that much to our earth affect the ground that much and do that with the with the russian thing you look know the being moon, the sonic boom most thing of the other planets that get hit by it that's what those big craters come from yeah so yeah it's we if it weren't for our atmosphere we'd be bombarded like the moon our atmosphere handles most of what comes in cuz it's small enough to not make the impact cuz it's it explodes from hitting the oxygen like that it just the speed the heat and the oxygen all explode and it yeah. whittles it all down as it's spinning through. That's why I, when I think about the cylindrical shape things that are flying through space, I'm like, they're usually round because of gravity because they're spinning so fast and everything flakes off. Yeah. And then it condenses down to being able to fly. So barring the perfect spiral situation to where it's just, I can't, I don't have any idea how you would get these cylindrical objects at such massive 
like they're just so much mass. They're huge. Like that thing you were talking about. I can't remember what it's called. Amuamua? Yeah, Amuamua. That's uh, and so the fact that that was long and cylindrical means like okay, it's it's either, long and it's strong. It's either made of something dense enough to not break off, but it's not like it seems to just be flying straight. It's not like because tumbling starts, in on end. If it starts spinning lengthwise like that, it'll start breaking apart. The maximum velocity will just keep going and, yeah. and break off. So it's got to be moving at a perfect spiral as it's going to maintain that shape. But maybe that shape was produced and that's from what, that a, was the thing. a round object that was to well, the course of traveling through space. But that's every other meteor we're seeing is circular. Because well, it's good point. spinning in all directions, and then it breaks off until. But it's granted, at that most asteroids, point. at least as far as I know, have not traveled as far as supposedly Oumuamua did. That's true, which is just all the more likely that it should have broken off in larger shapes like that. So it would be made of a denser metal to not break off at that amount of velocity spinning like that. But what if wormholes? along with transporting objects, also elongate options. Dude, dicks, (laughs) find a wormhole, quick. When it comes down to the black hole thing, that's what you see visually when it's breaking down the matter is it's pulling at such force that if, say, the microphone here were a black hole and we were trying to measure it as I got close, it would start stretching and visually doing whatever. But by that point, that is, it has already been destroyed. It has already been pulled through or destroyed from the sheer force of gravity, and what's left is the light. The light is not as fast as the gravity explodes as mm. it pulls it in. So I see. it does look elongated like that, so I suppose if somehow this thing survived going into a black hole and they are wormholes and it was projected out, that maybe this is the shape it retained through an elongated process. But it's still pretty uh, pristine in shape. Yeah. So uh, that helps with the man-made option. That. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because I'm like, okay. Because you are right. Every other asteroid still maintains some form yeah, of ovalish, mm-hmm. roundish, bulbous, depends on cauliflowerish, the of the that are in it. however you want to describe it. Elephant man ish so would have to all be made of the same dense material to maintain that shape, regardless of how it spins. Yeah. Or have had been of a material and somehow be moving at the spiral. And this is what broke off and shaped that because of the movement. So what do you think? It, it What do you think it was, Mike? Do you think it was it's a it, meteor that caused so much turbulence on the ground that it it made people think it was an earthquake but they have seismic i think that it's probably the asteroid blowing in the atmosphere sending shock waves in to the area if there are rich enough minerals in those mountains which we could probably research but this was in the 70s i'm sure we've mined shit around there since then uh then i i don't think it's a ufo for sure and if it was, and these men in black obtained any of the wreckage, I assume there's plenty. The whales is, there's a lot of water over there. <laughs> uh, I assume anything 
it landed in the water would be gone. Like oh yeah, because the I don't know if you know how large a whale's catfish is, but is the like the largest catfish they can swallow. What whole? What? Yeah, they just open their mouth and the suction pulls people in. What? Go ahead and Google a picture. Welsh Wells catfish. Wells catfish. Yeah, is the largest catfish in the world. I don't know. There's also like the Wells catfish oh, yeah, or Silurus glanus, also called sheetfish, <laughs> is a large species of catfish native to wide areas of central, southern, and eastern Europe in the basins of the Baltic, Black, and Caspian Seas. And it has been in introduced. Mountains, yeah. Uh, yeah. So there it has been introduced to Western Europe as a prize sport fish and is now found from the United Kingdom east to Kazakhstan and China and south to Greece and Turkey. These things can be like six, 700 pounds. As what? A they are, if one gets a hold of you in the water, you will not make it. And they are predatory catfish. The Wells World Record source says that Dino Ferrari, an Italian native, presently holds the record for the biggest Wells catfish ever reeled in on the rod. Dino caught his particular beast da, 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 when it measured poorly eight and a half feet long. Weighing 280 pounds. Oh, okay, I'm thinking of a different one then. I'm thinking, I think, of tuna, because they get like five, 600 pounds. But yeah, that's... When they open their mouth, dude, they almost like burp at you. They're like, oh, it sounds like a weird little bark. There roll. is a fish called the... Uh, it's, is it the guppy? Guppy's a little fish. No. Oh, man, what are we talking about? Tell me what it does. And I'm right. It's a gigantic fish that's got big eyes and it's got a gigantic mouth, and they are the size they could swallow a human. I mean, but they generally don't. There's the goonch catfish. There's the arapaima. Well, it's, it's not a catfish. It's it's an it's an ocean fish. Okay. Um. Um. I mean, technically, the whale shark can. Well, yeah, but it's not a. It's not a. It's not that big. Okay. So, hmm. I, I, God damn it. Grouper? Yeah, yeah that's they, it. They'll try and eat anything. The Goliath grouper. Yeah, the grouper. They'll try and eat anything. They, if you, if they think that you can't fight back, it will try and eat you. Yeah, the grouper. Yeah, the Goliath grouper. They're fucking enormous. Yeah, dude. The Goliath grouper. Yeah, even that name. That's why they got the name, because they're so large. Yeah, and they swim. Holy fuck, dude! They are gigantic. Yeah, and they are not eight hundred pounds. That's got to be what you were thinking about. Uh, That might be, but uh, the whales catfish also think about it at eight and a half feet long. If it opens its mouth, that's enough to swallow a six foot man. Sixteen. Oh, oh, never mind. That was how deep they go. (laughs) I thought it was saying they they grow up to one hundred and sixty-five feet, sixty-four feet. I was like, what? No way. They would dominate no. the water. No. Uh, yeah, that was no, how deep they also go. also get to like five, 600 pounds, though, and they swim in schools of several hundred of them. Crazy, man. Yeah, that's fuck Florida. Anyways. Anyway, the whale's catfish being eight and a half feet long can open its mouth, so any if there was a UFO crash and any bodies would have come out of it, if they landed in the water, solid chance the catfish. That's a very good point. It. Not to mention in that part of the world, 
from as far as they range. That's why the predatory catfish happen because all those native communities have little water uh, funerals. Oh, they put the bodies so they've gotten the taste for human flesh. Yeah, think about that. That's creepy, dude. You're telling me I don't trust any of those underwater fuckers. <laughs> Next on the list. On the list. The 1974 UFO crash in Kayami, Mexico. Oh, okay, Mexico. That's where Kayami is. Yep. Sounded very Asian. It is roughly 250 miles south of El Paso, Texas. Okay, so in the Gulf. Mm-hmm. So, here's the story, Mike. Okay, all right. I'm, I'm ready, bated breath. Ready, bated breath. Uh, passed down by word of mouth, the legends of mysterious letters sent by ex-government officials. The UFO story of Kayami began on the evening of August 25th, 1974. U.S. air defense radar detected a UFO heading for American airspace from the Gulf of Mexico. But moments later, it collided with a small civilian airplane and disappeared from radar. The Mexican government is alleged to have sent a team to recover the plane after hearing about the crash with spooky consequences. U.S. military personnel in Texas were monitoring radio traffic when the Mexicans suggested they had also recovered a shiny silvery disc. But things are said to have gotten even weirder as they returned to a base to the base when they all dropped dead from unknown causes. UFO researchers believe the soldiers were exposed to a lethal biological or chemical substance emanating from the crashed craft. They say when U.S. satellite surveillance and jet flyovers showed the Mexicans had died, their recovery teams went in, recovered the ship, and took the object back into the States. So, here's the deets. And, uh... Nothing happened to these U.S. soldiers when they retrieved it. Does it say anything about whether they were wearing like hazmat suits? Uh, well, we'll get into it. It didn't. It didn't say anything right away, but right, uh, we'll we'll I, dig into it. I got some questions. Late one evening, a small plane left the El Paso airport. Its destination: Mexico City. No one knows who exactly was on the plane. There have been conflicting reports that a flight plan was filed, while others have stated that there was none. Some believe it was covered up in order to mask what happened that day. <coughs> oh, the Samoas got me. Uh, others believe that the pilot of the plane was a drug courier, whoever the pilot was. He had no idea what was to come, and he would never make it to Mexico City. His fate would begin a chain of events that would lead not only to his death, but to the deaths of many in the Mexican military. So it was Mexicans' military, not the American military. That initially died. Correct. But then didn't it say, upon seeing that the... I can't remember Mexican who, military. I don't think it said what military force went in. It well, just said, right? I don't, I don't know. Cause it says that the, Oh, U S military, Texas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so no, they you're right. came in and took it from, which by oh. the way, act of war to send your military into Mexico, by the way. Yeah. Without any sort of clearance, uh, especially on the Gulf at that time. Uh, that was a big no, no. Yeah. Uh, that's, Probably why we were tracking the thing coming into our airspace from the Gulf. Because you didn't want a desert storm, wasn't wasn't that somewhere in that ballpark? Yeah. So, yeah, not really a fair ordeal. But uh, 
we went down there and took it after from a bunch of dead Mexican soldiers. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. My mind immediately leaps to radioactivity. Like how we've discussed that I think that our government has made their bunches of attempts at remaking UFOs. Yeah. And on the early ends, you'd get lots of, see a lot of crashes and then reports of people receiving chemical burns from radioactive nuclear material. So if this was one of the early ones on our test, we were waiting for it to come back and it accidentally hit this plane and then the Mexicans grabbed it. If the radioactivity killed those soldiers because they didn't treat it like a biohazard initially, we went in to take it, but we did it in hazmat suits because we knew that we couldn't survive that radioactivity. Yeah. That makes it sound like it's ours. Well... As his plane ascended on that summer day and settled into its flight across the Mexican border, the the pilot was unaware of what was flying in from the Gulf. Another aircraft was traveling at high speed at over 2,500 miles an hour at an altitude of 75,000 feet. Initially, it headed for Texas, but then it turned into Mexico. It descended 45,000 feet and then slowed to just under 2,000 miles an hour. Finally, the unknown craft Aircraft leveled off at 20,000 feet. Just like the pilot of the small plane, the name of the pilot of the other craft was also unknown. Then the unthinkable happened. Both of them collided. So, from what it is understood, the pilot and his plane had originated from Mexico, so the FAA was not required to investigate the incident. Nevertheless, U.S. officials did offer assistance, but Mexican officials declined. The U.S. was aware of the event since the whole incident was monitored on radar up to the point of collision when they lost contact with both aircraft. The high speed of the second aircraft and its erratic flight path is what initially alarmed the U.S. Air Defense network later after eavesdropping on mexican communications it became more apparent that the or to the u.s military who was piloting the second craft they didn't know his name but they were certain of one thing he wasn't from this world uh so the second unidentified craft was surprisingly close to intact even though it obliterated the small plane When Mexican personnel arrived on the second crash site, they were shocked to find that the second aircraft was actually a disc-shaped object. It had damage on one side with a small rupture, exposing the inside of the unidentified object to the outside elements. Once the Mexican military was aware of what they had found, communication suddenly stopped. Even though the blackout was was ordered, the U.S. used satellite and spy plane reconnaissance to monitor what was going on. What they saw was that the object was small enough to just fit on a flatbed truck that Mexican personnel used to transport it. With a convoy of vehicles, they headed south with both the object and the wreckage of the small plane, but then, for some inexplicable reason, they stopped moving. A U.S. spy plane flying over revealed that all the personnel were unconscious, and this is when the U.S. military made their move to capture the object. With four helicopters, three Hueys, and a super stallion, the U.S. headed across the border. As a precaution, they donned biohazard protection. Yeah, exactly. When the U.S. personnel arrived at the convoy, they found what or that all of the members of the Mexican recovery team were dead. Quickly, they hoisted the object off the flatbed with the super stallion, pissed on a few of them, and then proceeded to eliminate all the evidence, including the bodies. The U.S. recovery team used a good amount of explosives. 
They did this not only to eliminate evidence, but also to have a little fun. I'm just kidding. To prevent any further contamination. See, they, before even knowing yeah. anything about it, they were spying on them. Yeah. Act of war, like I said, invaded foreign soil, used spy technology openly, which is how they're like, oh, no, we knew something was wrong, so we had to jump in there. Yeah. I guarantee they were tracking that thing before a shit went down, and then they lost their toy, and we're like, fuck, we got to go get it. Exactly. That's ex- that's exactly Because why else? Why would you give a fuck if it's not yours? I think that that's when we were in the process, early 60s, 70s, was when we were in the process of using nuclear technology for our experimental shit on the black budget. Yeah. That was when you would see nuclear-powered. Uh, we made our attempts with the subs. Uh, no, no. <laughs> and then I assume that that's what they were doing with those failed attempts at their UFOs when it would crash. Because, I mean, we'd have UFOs left and right if they were just crashing. Yeah. I mean, we've talked about it before. It makes it across the universe but can't fly through the air. Yeah. Yeah, bullshit. No, we made some half-assed janky thing, and it fucking crashed because we didn't know what we were doing. Yeah. test. And then, oh, shit, got to go get it. So they don't say where it went after they were picked up, but uh, it's, they wouldn't. it's pretty well assumed it either went to Area 51 or Fort Bliss or Wright-Patterson. Yeah. So a couple other things that could be, could, a couple other explanations oh, excuse me. is the airspace around Kiami is a known route for drug traffickers. Mm-hmm. What if one of the courier aircraft had to make an emergency landing? If the Mexican police, even the army showed up to investigate, it could have ended in violence with casualties on both sides. And thus the story of dead soldiers in the desert. Uh, I think but we would have reported that. Why we wouldn't they have, have just said it was gang violence? They have no problem. blaming on gangs? every drug bust? Every time we yeah. fucking bust somebody with cocaine, we're like, oh, found we're proud as fuck. Yeah, exactly. If yeah. if we found a drug train that went sideways and it ended in violence, we would have reported. Yeah, that. we are going to be the heroes of that. Yeah, yeah Texas especially if we used explosives. Mind. This is the Texas Air Force. <laughs> yeah. okay. They absolutely have been like, well, we shot them right up. Yeah, fucking yeah, no way. So bullshit. <laughs> no. There's no way. We love bragging way too much. Uh, let's see. What is uh, the novel The Andromeda Strain by Michael Crichton was published in 1969 and the movie was released in 71. The novel story does have an uncanny resemblance to this collision story that supposedly occurred three years later. But, of course, it could be that this really happened. Well, we keep basing our science on science fiction. So, yeah. If they saw something in the movie and the military is like, I think we so that, pass that, that one I find. Yeah, I think that I, even though there's not a lot of evidence, I find the, the, the actions that the U S took, mm-hmm. what happened with the, with the Mexican to be highly probable. Yeah. There's, there would be no reason for us to be using spy technology to track what they were doing. Yeah. On the Mexican side. Yeah. Why would we? No reason. Yeah, no reason. We've never, we've never been like, oh, better watch out for those Mexicans. They got a strong army. Not, I mean, we haven't really done anything since the Alamo. Exactly. So, and I'm pretty sure we weren't using a ton of spy technology. (laughs) What are you kidding me, dude? Davy Crockett totally had a drone. Dude, their long range rifles back then was the closest thing to spy technology. Yeah. They had what you're going to. 
you spied, you got some dude on a horse that listened from around the corner and is straight yeah. up. Scopes, those were those were considered spy. Yeah. Yeah. That scopes, binoculars, fancy, so. things like that. Those yeah. were all I don't even think we really had many scopes at that point still. I think probably it was still not. like open well, no, well, no, because you had telescopes all the way back to telescopes, but not on guns. Well, that's a good point. That's and we good didn't point. really have I mean I mean back in the eighteen hundreds though, in the uh the old West times, you know, with the cowboys. Mm-hmm. And uh, what happened? They would get on their horses and ride to somebody's house. They wouldn't watch them for three weeks from yeah the the sheriff's hut. So what do you think? You think, uh, I think this was absolutely our military? Yeah, I think they lost the toy and had to go get it before somebody. You think it's up. ours? I think it's ours. Yeah, there's too many other occasions where you see UFO crashes on American soil and it result in a similar thing. Yeah, I want to know more about the coroner's report on these Mexican things. Had the yeah, well, because you think about this, okay? We burned it, right? Well, and that's the hard part. Like they destroyed the evidence. Well, and think we burned it to prevent further contamination. If they died <laughs> yeah. from the from radiation during the coroner's report, there would be radiation burns. Yeah. So if they lit them on fire to dispose of the evidence, we would never notice the chemical burns. So we yeah. can continue to perpetuate an outside alien biochemical whatever strain that for some reason only killed those people and didn't spread and wipe out the planet at all. It certainly seems to me that they had a recovery plan. They had it lickety fucking split. They already knew what they were going to do in they case came in of with all the right equipment. They just didn't plan on the Mexican military getting involved. No, they got to it first because And I'll tell you right now, they're things. fortunate it was the Mexican military not China or North Korea or Russia yeah. or anybody else because we didn't want to fuck with North Korea at that no. time again. We just I don't I do not think we would have handled that the same way had it landed not in Mexico. No. Yeah. <laughs> Even in Canada, I don't think we would have uh, necessarily handled it that way. We disrespect the Mexicans so much. Well, it's not It's like crazy. We're, yeah. We're not exactly nice to Canadians either. <laughs> we're not really nice to anybody. When we really decide to be a douchebag as a country, we, we go full bore, hold my beer style. We only have two neighbors, and we make fun of both of them. <laughs> okay, just just saying. There's nothing else touching us. Yeah. And we even were like, oh, yeah, Mexico, we can have, you know, an island resort too. Uh, fucking Hawaii. Yeah. And then Canada, you think you're far up north. Check out this. Alaska. Yeah. Yeah. We took a little bit of both of your shit. <laughs> Fuck you both. Oh, shit. Well, that's what we got for you folks today was uh, a few good ones there. So um, what do you think, huh? Yeah. Text me. Remember, 208-790-8226. Uh, find us on Facebook. You can message the page, UFO Podcast. You can message us there. You can find Mike at at Mike Robbins on Facebook. You can find me at Ben Austin on Facebook. And uh, anyways, like us, share us, um, you know, share this with uh, your friends and your family. I feel like we were fairly well behaved on this episode, Mike. Yeah, I dropped a few more F-bombs than usual. I don't mean the F-bombs. I'm talking about not being all scattered. Yeah. Oh, no, we stayed on point. I know. I'm so proud of us. Notice it's a different time of day. (laughs) (laughs) that plays a big part we get into our sundowners and all of a sudden we can't keep shit straight well i'm about three hours from bedtime so (laughs) time to let the gibberish out that's right 
It's still daylight, yeah? Oh, oh I shit. Can function right. That's right. Hey, everybody. Thank you once again for joining in on uh, another fantastical episode of UFO No. Remember, uh, like us, share us, and then um, that's it. Uh, that's all I got. But uh, help us out by sharing the episode and all that great jazz, and uh, we'll catch you all on the flip side. Remember, watch out for the government. We just showed a couple of well, that one story. That definitely shows they are shysty bastards. Peace out, y'all.